Blog Talk Radio. Well, what they're doing is they're forcing people to 
be on welfare. Yeah. So it's exactly. really they're really costing the taxpayers yeah. more money. If they paid people a decent wage, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to drain the taxpayers. You know, so we're subsidizing those businesses. That's right. So they're making, they're making more money, huge profits, huge yeah, profits and the American profit. taxpayer is subsidizing those businesses right. because they refuse to pay their employees a yeah, decent yeah. wage. It's yeah. just simply not fair all around. Yeah. Five lies about the estate tax and the truth behind the lies. Um, this proposal is called Americans for Fair for Tax Fairness. Wouldn't you know it? Capital gains and estate taxes, and it's put put up by John Thune, Kevin Brady, Christy Noam, and Paul Ryan. On tax day this year, April 15th, the U.S. House of Representatives is expected to introduce legislation that would repeal the estate tax, a policy designed to limit the concentration of wealth in the United States generate revenue for the federal government by having those most able to pay, and encourage charitable giving. The legislation comes as congressional Republican budget plans proposed to slash trillions of dollars in money that benefits working families and give away massive sums to corporations and the wealthiest Americans. This group is unfair. Americans Tax Fairness has compiled a series of dishonest and hypocritical quotes from conservatives about the estate tax and related issues. AFT Executive Director Frank Clemente explained the Republican tax agenda. Conservatives know their economic priorities are extremely unpopular. The American people want an economy that works for everyone, not just the wealthy few. So when they try to eliminate the estate tax, which affects only multimillionaires and billionaires, they resort to outright falsehoods, why don't they just call it lies, in making their case and use phony rhetoric, claiming they care about the rest of us. Repealing the estate tax will only increase inequity in America. These quotes help the American people understand what conservatives do and not what they say. Here are five common lies about the estate tax and the truth behind them. Maybe you can go to this. Well, I see you yeah. reading it. Yeah, but you, I'll read one and then you can read one. Okay. Number one, this tax doesn't just hit the big guys. It hits the little guys, like the small businesses and the family farm. It is both unwise and unfair, and it needs to go. This is Representative Paul Ryan, a Republican from Wisconsin. In reality, this law only affects the top 0.2% of estates, those worth more than $5.4 million for an individual or nearly $11 million for a married couple. So you know it's a lie. It does hit the little... Who's the little guy who has leaves $11 million? $11 million yeah. Number two, the death tax is still the number one reason family-owned farms and businesses in America aren't passed down to the next generation. This is Republican Kevin Brady, a Republican of Texas. The estate tax, the non-right-wing propaganda name for the law, has never caused a family farm to be lost. 
I mean, it's just an outright lie. Number three. No, because they, I mean, they hand it down. They just hand mm-hmm. it down. It's, uh, That's you're, right. You're part, you know, you're, you're owner of it as soon as you're born, you know. Number three, if you make the argument that only rich and wealthy people pay this tax, that is not true. It is not true for almost every farmer and rancher in this country. It is not true for every small business owner out there. I am committed to repealing this unjust and, frankly, immoral tax that hurts small businesses and family farms most. Representative Christy Noem, Republican, South Dakota. The truth. While there are millions of small businesses and small family farms in the United States, only 20 of them qualified to pay the estate tax in 2013. Number four, the death tax is especially destructive to women in minority-owned small businesses in America who are building wealth often for the first time. A study by Boston College professors estimates the death tax could rob African-American households of up to a quarter trillion dollars of wealth over the first half of this century, Representative Kevin Brady, Republican, Texas. The study that Brady cites shows that significantly fewer than 1% of African-American households have a net worth that would cause them to pay for the estate tax. Obama, probably one of them. Number five, this is another lie. For too long, the federal government has forced grieving families to pay a tax on their loved one's life savings that have been built from income already taxed when originally earned. Senator John Thune, Republican, South Dakota. In reality, 55% of the value of a state worth more than $100 million are unrealized capital gains that have not been subject to income or capital gains taxes. For estates worth anywhere between $5 million and $10 million, the unrealized capital gains that, that have not been taxed is 32% of their overall value. Without an estate tax, heirs can escape, can escape paying any taxes on those gains. There you go. So the AFL-CIO has joined a coalition of more than 70 organizations opposing the repeal of the estate tax. And uh, there's more that you can read about, more facts about the estate tax. So you can see how the Republicans, that group, how they twist everything and and they just outright lie. Yeah, well, they're paid to to do that. Um, Who would make nine rules for the self-care program? Okay, that that makes sense. There was another, there was something that... uh, I'll go back to this in a minute, but there was a thing here. Oh, yeah. Bernie Sanders calls for a mobilization of millions of Americans to take down the Cokes. Co- the co- Good brothers. for Bernie. Yeah. I got it. He's got a lot of guts. I like him yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, Some uh, things I don't like, he's but I like only, he'll, he'll be the only one to in the pub, in the primary against Hillary Clinton. Oh. Is all right. He's water. He would too. He, he's really a lot more. He's well spoken too. Yeah. I, I like but, him. I don't know. He's, he's so so pro-Jewish. So, I mean, pro, pro-Zion. Pro-Israel. That's the only thing. You know, uh, if he uh, had a more balanced view, I would I would feel also better. There's artillery inside there. Yeah. All of them. They're all. They're no one's going to be against. Bernie Sanders reminded MSNBC of what liberalism looks like 
uh, by calling a mobilization of millions of Americans. All right. Um, let's see pop up. Millions of Americans to take down the Koch brothers and other conservative billionaires. All right. Oh, uh, the morning Joe Crew wanted to play up a potential Bernie Sanders-Hillary Clinton conflict. Sanders had a bigger message. Well, let's hear what he had to say. Okay, Bernie. Very shortly, uh, the issue that we have to deal with is that with super PACs pouring hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into campaigns, uh, whether it is possible to run a credible campaign when you're taking on the billionaire class and when you're trying to defend uh, working families. So we'll make that decision. You saw Hillary Clinton's launch, I take it. What do you think of her message? And do you think um, her message, how does it compare to, for example, um, an Elizabeth Warren if she were to run? Well, I think the issue is, frankly, it's not just Hillary or or Elizabeth or Bernie Sanders or anybody else. This country faces enormous problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our middle class is disappearing. We have more people living in poverty than almost any time in the history of America. We're the only major country without a national health care program guaranteeing health care for all people. What's it all about? The question is, there's one basic question. How do you take on a billionaire class, which has so much economic power, and with Citizens United, Mm -hmm. can now buy elections? where we are moving in many ways toward an oligarchic form of society rather than our traditional democracy. Who is prepared to do it? So let me just say this. No president, not Hillary, not Bernie Sanders, not anybody, will succeed unless there is a mass mobilization of millions of people who say enough is enough, Koch brothers and billionaires can't have it all. Well, someone like Hillary Clinton, who has announced, has the capacity, has the abilities, in my opinion, to do any of that, do you think she will if elected? Well, I, I've known Hillary Clinton for many years, and I like Hillary Clinton very much, and clearly this is a very capable person. Uh, but she has to answer some very significant questions. Right now, coming to the floor of the Senate pretty soon, is another disastrous trade agreement uh, called the TPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has trade agreements have cost us millions of jobs pushed by corporate America. Where does Hillary Clinton stand on that? I've been one of the leaders in trying to the Keystone Pipeline and say that Climate change is one of the great global crises that we face. We've got to rapidly move away from fossil fuels. Where does Hillary stand on that? In terms of Wall Street, I believe we've got to break up these giant banks. They're just yep. too powerful. Where does Hillary Clinton stand on that? But the bottom line is we need people to stand up to the billionaire class and their economic and political power. That's what we need. Caddy, real quick. The Senator, if you run, do you think you can win? Really think yes. you can win? I would not run, to be honest with you, unless I thought that I could. I think I go around the country a bit, and I think the Beltway pundits are way out of touch with where real people are. We've got huge crowds, and people are saying enough is enough. I'm working longer hours for low wages, and the rich are getting rich. Very, very, very quickly, I know it's to go, but uh, President Obama made a pledge in his previous two campaigns not to take a single dollar from lobbyists, and he didn't. Um, would you like to make uh, see Hillary Clinton make a similar pledge, talking about the oligarchical interest in the money? There's so many ways around it. The campaign system is so corrupt right now that clearly we need to overturn Citizens United. We need to move to public funding of elections. Let me be very clear. Yeah. It'll shock some of the people. We are losing our dem- democracy in this country. Come on, money. the United States Congress, and we need to stop that. Yeah. Senator Bernie Sanders, thank you very much. Come back soon. Make your announcement here, okay? <laughs> 
Yeah. So anyway, um, I I agree with him. I I agree with him. I agree with everything he just said. I agree with what he's been saying, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is I, you know, again, I, where, where have you been, Bernie? Well, you know, you know, where, away. yeah, only this year. Well, he's an yeah. independent now, so. Yeah, but he's still, you know, the guy. The guy I get, I get issues with this guy because I, I, as much as I agree with everything he says, uh, there's an underlying, you know, Sanders there, and surprising he hasn't come forward. Bernie Sanders shreds Rand Paul by unmasking his great libertarian fraud. Now this, I got this one. I think is worth listening to because, okay. because uh, I tell you, I think Rand Paul is a huge fraud as well.
Hillary Clinton. We really need adults. We need camps for adults. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. What kind of camps? Well, this is an interesting theory. Uh, political camps. Mm-hmm. Oh, like they had in China, where they indoctrinated the, the, people. The education camps. Yes, that's what they had in China. Yeah. Well, that's what you. The likely 2016 presidential candidate, who believes it takes a village to raise a child, is now proposing camps for adults. Um, and we need. Whoops. Hillary Clinton is worried about America's fund deficit. Not our deficit deficit. Until a group gathered for. Thomas, the only company ever to win Wilby Indy 500. Right there on the end. Super Cross Racing Championship. To sex it out. Um, the uh, fund deficit, not our deficit deficit and told the group gathered for a speech that we really need camps for adults. As I've gotten older, I've decided we really need camps for adults, and we need adult camps that you all run. Really? None of the serious stuff? None of the life-challenging stuff? More fun? I think we're having a huge fund deficit in America, and we need to figure out how to fill that fund deficit, certainly for our kids, but also for the rest of us. We need some something from time to time, maybe some enrichment, certainly some time outdoors, maybe actually spending time with people that we didn't know before. This bizarre manifestation of Clinton's well-known collective impulses has already been greeted by plenty of Twitter mockery. (laughs) Clinton will be close to 70 when the presidential campaign starts in earnest. Well, I don't know. I think she's too old. I think so, too. Yeah, I think her time has passed her by. Now, secondly, however, as I've gotten older, I have decided we really need hands for adults. I think I'll pass on that. Yeah, I think I'll pass on that, Hillary Bate. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I think she's having a senior moment. Oh, this is just... Uh, Rubio, who just declared his candidacy. Yeah, another great Republican candidate, right? Because Obama right? has been a failure because his ideas are bad. Huh. Yeah. This guy is... <laughs> I know, Senator Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida tonight, discussed the economy, immigration, and his political beliefs in a wide-ranging one-on-one with Sean Hannity. Well, Hannity asked Rubio, why do you want to be a run for president? I believe this is a country that has always been defined by upward mobility, by the ability for equality of opportunity. And I feel we're losing it now, and we're losing it because we're not capitalizing on the opportunities or confronting the challenges of this new era. And we're never going to be able to do that as long as we're being led by people who are trapped in the 20th century. It's time for 21st century leadership. It's time to move forward and embrace the opportunity and challenges of a new century. And I believe I'm ready to do it. Well, he's of the 20th century. He was born in the 20th century. 
and that's why I'm running for president. Well, according to your statement, that lets you out of the running. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, why are you saying anything? Hannity knows Hannity knows. Well, you know, in your cabinet, everybody's going to be 15 years or younger. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Hannity noted that the next president will inherit a struggling economy and asked Rubio how he would get Americans back to work and off food stamps. Rubio calls for a vibrant 21st century economy which allows the United States to be globally competitive. He's full of rhetoric. He said the U.S. must reform the tax code. Can you move that? Okay. He wants, he wants lower corporate taxes. Lower regulations, repeal and replace Obamacare. He has also stressed the importance of equipping Americans with the skills needed for the jobs that the economy will create. What is he talking about? When asked to define his political beliefs, Rubio said, I'm a free enterprise, limited government conservative. I'm a strong American conservative. I'm an exceptional American conservative. Oh, he loves himself. I, I, I believe that... John Birch people don't even support him. I can see why. Because yeah. he's an empty box. I believe that the government has a role to play, but it's a limited one. The, fa <clears throat> the family is more important. The private sector is more important. <coughs> the Florida center, senator also sounded off on immigration. He said that immigrants who are in the U.S. illegally should come forward, undergo a background check, pay a fine, start paying taxes, and be granted a work visa. After a decade or more, he said that illegal immigrants should then be allowed to apply for permanent residency. Rubio also, Rubio also explained what sets him apart from President Barack Obama, since Rubio is a junior senator, just as Obama was when he ran for office. President Obama has been a failure not because he was only in the Senate for four years. He's been a failure because his ideas are bad, Rubio said. Yeah. <laughs> but inspired no by the promise of our future, I announce my candidacy for president of the United States. 
the corporate income tax from 30 to 25 percent, personal income tax from 40 to 35. Uh, I've gone over your plan. One of the things Republicans have been unwilling to do is use their constitutional authority, the power of the purse, for example, to defund Obamacare. Is that a mistake of the Republican Party? Yeah, I think we should be a lot more aggressive about it, but the truth is we need a new president to get rid of Obamacare. As long as Obama's president, we're not going to be able, he's going to veto anything that gets rid of Obamacare. I think one of the first things this new president needs to do is work with what I hope will be a Republican majority in Congress to repeal and replace Obamacare. How do you define yourself, Senator, uh, politically? I would say I'm a Reagan constitutional conservative. How would you define yourself? I'm a free enterprise limited government conservative. I'm a strong America conservative. Yeah. I'm an exceptional America conservative. Yeah. I believe that the government has a role to play, but it's a limited one. The family's more important. The private sector's more important. There are things government needs to do. I believe in the safety net, not as a lifestyle, yeah. not as a way of life, but as a way to help people who are struggling to get back on their feet and try again. One of the things that has come up regarding your your candidacy is that well, you said that if you run, you will not run for the Senate again. Is, is that hard in, in, in stone? Is this is this yeah, you're running, I'm for, running for president of the United States, and that's what my campaign no is about. Problem. I don't have a plan B to pivot back to the Senate race. I intend to be the nominee, and that's why I think it's important for us to have a strong candidate in Florida who's out there working now. If I went around talking about how I would pivot back to the Senate race and things didn't work out, the our best candidates may not run. You said the biggest issue and problem that maybe you had with conservatives is the issue of immigration, and you went for comprehensive reform. You've since said that it was a mistake, and you said until we prove illegal immigration can be brought under control, the American people won't trust us on that. Yeah. So that's right. It's not. It's not a change in position, or is it? No. I think we need to. We still need to do immigration reform. I talked today about needing to modernize our immigration system, and I think the American people are prepared to do that, but not until they know that future illegal immigration is under control. And right now, they have a president that refuses to enforce the immigration laws. In fact, through executive order, has ordered his agencies not to enforce his immigration laws. So I think immigration reform, as long as Barack Obama's president, is virtually impossible. Yeah. I think we need a president that first begins to enforce our laws, puts in place methods that improve the way we enforce the law. And if we do that, then I think people will be very reasonable after that do you, do you think about what we, to do with the 12 million that are here. It, well, that's the next question. If, if you think the, the government can prove they can secure the border, and it's having a huge impact on the educational system, our health care system, um, our criminal justice system, if you think you can prove that with immigration, what is the step in your mind for those 12 million people? What do you think, Well, it's not citizenship. Again, I think that if you're in this country and you violated our immigration law, so he gets to be president after we and destroys Medicare, destroys uh, Social Security, Security. Yep. Yeah. Uh, gives a billion dollar uh, credits to the billionaires, and uh, of course, Open the, o opens the floodgates for immigrants. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, great yeah. plan. What a, what a genius this guy is, huh? Wow. Uh, well, uh, I think he's going to feel in his campaign because his ideas suck. While the middle class blame the poor, I'm going to park my boat in my boat. <laughs> we know why this photo is taking off on social media. When it comes to boats, we'd like to think that the rising tides lift them all. But unfortunately, it's the only lifting the yachts <laughs> and what may be hidden inside. The decline of unions in America is one for cause. It is one cause. When unions are strong, the middle class is stronger. It was a picture of a boat and a guy yeah. backing up a small boat into his huge yacht. I asked to send this one out. He says, people get it. 
the gap between the super rich and everyone else keeps growing. In America and around the world. That's why this photo is tracking at number one on Reddit just hours after it was loaded, uploaded, um, according to the Washington Post. There is a reason that this image is getting so much traction on social media. It makes a simple point about a huge issue that we have been talking about repeatedly, income inequality and the ways yeah. that the rich shield their money from taxes. Okay, ask me President Lee Saunders, uh, in response to President Obama's State of the Union message last year, said combating income inequality means empowering workers to bargain for better pay and secure benefits. When unions are strong, all worker benefits, all workers benefit, said the sadly, and sadly the uh, nationwide attack on collective bargaining persists as um, deep-pocketed anti-worker forces systematically target unions. Their efforts to undo collective bargaining weakens all workers. Well, the post story that ran with the yacht photo noted that some state lawmakers are seizing on popular resentment over anecdotal stories of extravagant spending by welfare recipients to limit what the world can do with food stamps or other government aid. <laughs> what the poor can do, I'm sorry. And meanwhile, the wealthy continue to see advantages in wealth and economic opportunity thanks in part to economic policies that favor them. Well, we'd like to think that the owner of this yacht pays his or her fair share of taxes here or in some other country. But the popularity of this image on social media suggests that it hits a nerve and it's painful. Consider this. U.S. led the world in billionaires, 492, according to Forbes' 2014 ranking. And U.S. also ranked fourth among countries with the most income inequality. According to Forbes, that's the largest disparity in income since 1928, right before the last depression. Okay. When it comes to boats, we'd like to think that a rising tide lifts them all. Unfortunately, it's only lifting the yachts and maybe what's hidden inside. The decline of unions in America is one cause. When unions are strong, the middle class is stronger. That's true. Yep. People get paid better. Yeah. All people. All people. Uh, oh, this is interesting. A new report proves Republican-governed red states are economic parasites. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. How about that? Yeah. This is from what uh, paper? Uh, Polit- Polit- Politicus, Politicus USA. USA. The real liberal politics. Yes, yes. So anyway, even though they shout out the conservative stuff. But a new report proves Republican-governed red states are economic parasites. Oh. Well, by now, only comatose Americans are fools dependent on Fox News or other information are aware that states that consistently vote Republican and against their own best interests suck more money from the federal government than Democratic states. Wow. It leads one to marvel at the relevance of George Carlin's uh, saying, never underestimate the power of danger or danger of stupid people in large groups. Well, residents in red states across the nation are already suffering from Republican policies that are raping the economic life out of the people. And in most cases, the only thing keeping the people, particularly the poor people, from starvation and ill health, Ill health is the federal government. The anti-entity... They hate. Uh, with religious fervor and elect Republicans to eviscerate. However, 
now, yet another report reveals that most those same red states, Republican voters who want the federal government to cut out shreds are leaching substantially more assets from the federal government uh, they want destroyed at the expense of the blue states that are supporting them. This time the report is not from a liberal-leaning think tank or any government agency. It's from a commercial organization with no political or economic stake in the study's results. If this were the first report of its kind showing certain state economies uh, would wither and die and the people would starve without leaching federal funds from the blue states, one may be inclined to dismiss it as an aberration. However, um, study after study has consistently... Uh, study after study have consistently exposed anti-federal government uh, Republican states as being incredibly dependent on the federal government. No, anti-federally independent on the federal government. Oh, yeah. They hate with religious passion and just voted for Republicans to fulfill their wishes and decimate it. Never, never, ever underestimate the power of stupid Republican voters in red states who are presidential veto away from seeing their evil dream reach fruition. The new report is courtesy of Wallet Hub, a commercial, personal, financial website that rated all 50 states on the basis of their dependence on the federal government to support their economies and keep poor people alive. The report was compiled from data and condensed into four metrics, not unlike other studies but without a political motivation for conducting the research. The categories were the return of federal dollars on taxpayers' investment, or how many federal dollars a state receives as opposed to what the residents pay in, the percentage of state revenue from federal funding that keeps the state from uh, declaring bankruptcy as its re and its residents from starving or dying from lack of medical care, the number of non-defense federal employees in a state, as opposed to states supported by large military installations, and last, the per capita federal employee rate in the states, such as federal marshals, park rangers, federal highway workers, federal regulators keeping air, water, and food safe. Obviously, the two most important metrics in the study were the return on taxpayer investment and the percentage of federal dollars a State depends on to prop up its economy and provide for the people's general welfare from federal programs. Republican states have benefited greatly from federal health care, such as Medicare, Medicaid, and the Affordable Care Act, and it's relatively common knowledge that the largest percentage of SNAP food stamp recipients are poor white Republicans in red states, okay. lightly likely because red state legislators enacted draconian right-to-work laws keeping wages at or below poverty level. What informs the epic stupidity of red state Republican voters is that they are the morons who consistently send Republicans to Washington to rein in the federal budget. And cut the federal government down to size. Well, true to their word, and according to their base's wishes, the Republican congressional representatives, their mindless supporters, just handed control of Congress to just uh, pass a seriously draconian budget that does precisely what the red state voters yearn for, ended federal interference in their lives. If the Republican budget stands, red state voters will get their wish, 
and can virtually stop bemoaning the horrid federal interference in their lives, the interference that kept food on their tables, their families in relatively decent health, and their state economies going, uh, from going bankrupt. It is likely that the same morons and racists are too stupid. They're knocking these people pretty hard in this article, but, you know, you get the point. I mean, I, I said the same thing in my book uh, four years ago about uh, the blue-collar Republicans. You know, but my guess, the but that, my that guess is a lot of what happens in those states is people are prevented from getting to the polls to vote. A lot of it. But a lot of people are like people that, uh, you know, that, that just... Well, that we've known that are blue-collar Republicans. Just, oh, my I mean, God. I mean, you know, they are, without the a doubt, yeah. they vote against their own best interests. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just unbelievable. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind but of, they're the first to whine and cry when they don't get something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't and, know. Uh, it's just unbelievable to me how they... Uh, how they can vote against their own best interests, you know, that they can't do to it. You know, uh, say, oh, these welfare people are getting too much, and yet they're collecting welfare. You know, or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're it's, 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 I don't know, it's just a crazy, crazy system. It sure is. It really is. And, you know, they they adore and worship the wealthy. Yeah. They think they're going to be that way. They think they'll be that way one day. Glad they are doing something. Actively shut down the Nestle plant in drought stricken California. Good. I think that's was a good yeah, idea. They were yeah. Capping the water. Yeah, those you people. know. I mean, imagine that corporation. And, 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 and they were the they were the corporation that said that uh, people don't have the right to water. Yeah, belongs to them. Yeah, it doesn't. They don't have a right to water. It's a, it should be a publicly a public commodity sold on the market. Yeah, you don't have a you don't have the right to water. Well, that's why the water, that's why the, the whole water bottled water industry started. That's right. But let, let's go to this and talk about it. The bottled water industry is such too is because the, the regular groundwater was so polluted by so many people and so many companies. Well, wait till we have the bottled air industry. Mm, yeah. Because the air is going to yeah, be the so carbon, carbon well, footprint emissions. The, yeah. the air is going to be so polluted that people are mm-hmm. going to be buying air. Uh-huh. Yeah. California is currently experiencing a record-breaking drought, while Nestle's uh, continues to mod- monopolize California water for profit. Oh, a group of activists were able to successfully protest and blockade the factory's entryway and stop all production on one day. I mean, why don't why don't the news talk about this, huh? As California, I want by the way, Nation of Change is the paper that something. Mm. Um, as California suffers a drought, a record drought, local residents and activists took a stand to implore the company Nestle's to stop its gluttonous guzzling of California water for profit. In case you're not aware, California is currently experiencing the most severe drought ever recorded, and the impending implications still being tallied. But profit-driven company Nestle has yet to show their bottling of to plastic slow, waters. To guzzling, slow their bottling uh, of plastic water yeah, bottles. Yeah, guzzling 80 million gallons of water from San, San Clemente's uh, Sacramento. Aquif- so, yeah, Sacramento's aquifers per year. For this reason, environmental and human rights activists holding plastic torches and pitchforks formed human 
barricades at both entrances to the Nesquik water bottling plant in Sacramento at 5 a.m. On Friday, March 20th, their protesting effectively shut down the company's operation for the day. That was good. The activist members of the church Nesquik's Alliance, Punch Nesquik's Alliance, uh, shouted out a number of chants, some which include, We got to fight for our water. Nestle, stop it. Water is not for profit. And aqua para queen. Para, para nutriente. Whatever that is. Well, those, Same thing, probably. Yeah, those in opposition to what the company is doing stayed until 1 p.m., but there were no arrests. The uh, activists adamantly uh, claimed that Sacramento City Hall has allowed Nestle to continue their, their actions via corporate welfare giveaway. This corporate welfare giveaway is an outrage and warrants a major investigation, Coalition spokesman Andy Cohen said. For one for more than five months we have requested data on Nestle's water use. City Hall has not compiled with complied with our request or given any indication that it will. Sacramentarians deserve to know how their money is being spent and what they're getting for it. In this case, they're getting ripped off. Lola Ellis of ninety nine cent rise. Arise. Sacramento, 99 Rise Sacramento, who spoke on the bullhorn at the protest, said, Nestle's bottling of water in Sacramento is unsustainable in the current state of drought. We really don't know how much water they are taking from the aquifer, and that is a scary thing. She continued, the water needs to be used for the local community. If there is not enough water for the local community, the Nestle Corporation should not be making a profit. They shouldn't be pumping the water. Yeah. Uh, other support, uh, other support. Ellis stands uh, rallying out of disbelief that such corporate greed could be allowed to continue when residents of the state are expected to run out of water within the next 12 to 18 months if serious action isn't taken. The coalition rallied to protest that they call Nestle's virtually unlimited use of water, while Sacramentarians, like um, other, other Californians. Californians, who use a mere seven to ten percent of total water used in the state of California are advised to limit their use and have had severe restrictions enforced upon them. What they hope to achieve for is for Nestle to pay rates commensurate with its enormous profit or voluntarily close down. Nestle only pays 65 cents for each 470 gallons it pumps out in the ground. Oh, my God. And the same rate as an average residential water user. But the company can turn the area water around and sell it back to San Clemente at mammoth profit, according to a news release presented by the activists. According to those protesting, San Clemente officials have refused attempts to um, obtain details of Nestle's water use. Coalition members have addressed the San Francisco City Council and requested that Nestle either pay a commercial rate under a two-tier level or pay a tax on its profit. As states of, uh, as shared by Daily Cause, uh, a call to the Sacramento City Department of United uh, Utilities about the details of Nestle's water use had been returned as of press time. Hadn't been returned. But Fox 40 News reported that in 2014, Nestle says it used 50 million gallons from, from the, the Sacramento Muci Municipal Water Supply, which they say is a fraction of 1% of the total water demand within the city of Sacramento. Issued by the company in October 2014, the following statement is in regard to a previous protest in front of the plant. In Sacramento, this is what they say, Nestle. In Sacramento, 
Nestle Waters North America purchases and pays the standard metered rate for municipal water, which is delivered through the municipal pipe system. We are not ranked among the top 10 water users in Sacramento as we use about two thousandths of 1% of Sacramento's total water demand. Our company is subject to any restrictions, drought or otherwise, to impose on all light industrial business, business customers by the city of Sacramento, and we comply with those restrictions. To this, Bob Sanders, also with the Crunch Nestle Alliance, responded, Nestle can claim any amount of water they want, but we haven't seen any documentation of the amount of water they're using. We do know they're allowed to take up to 80 million gallons per year. Mauro Olivieri, known as Red Sun, showed up at the protest with his children, including Rise, Aaron, and Mahar, Mahalia. He has, he has connected the battle of local activists and fishermen to stop fracking the Shasta Dam Rise and Governor Jerry Brown's Bay Delta Conservation Plan to build the Twin Tunnels, the most environmentally destructive public works project in California history. Senator Olivera, oh. this whole idea of boiling water does, goes against indigenous peoples' concept of water is sacred. The 20,000-year-old water in aquifers belongs to the last generation on Earth. We don't have the right to tap into this water. He concludes, continues, the governor said he should conserve, but millions of gallons of fracking waste are being re-injected into the aquifer in California. The governor talks out of both sides of his mouth. Polluting our water supplies is a violation of human rights. I agree with that. It's a concern that demands attention and resolution. The more awareness that is raised, the more likely a positive change will be enacted. Boy, Therefore, okay. share the news with others you know, and you can also read the entire press release here. So, God forbid, boys, you know, girls, let's, let's help these guys. Stop, stop this stupid mess. The fracking is, yeah. is a Fracking mess. is horrible, too. And, and, and well, they, they, they pump that filthy, dirty chemical yeah. water into the aquifer. Well, here's, here's the asswipe. Uh, I'm getting angry now because uh, the reason Nestle's design needs to be <coughs> shut down, okay, is because Nestle's water privatization push, right? Across the globe, Nestle is pushing to privatize and, and control water resources. Public water resources. Nestle's chairman of the board, Peter Brabeck, has explained his philosophy with the one opinion, which I think is extreme is represented by NGOs who bang on about declaring water a public right. That means as a human being you should have a right to water. That's an extreme solution. Since the quote has gotten widespread attention, Brabeck has backtracked, but his company is not. Around the world, Nestle is bullying communities into giving up control of their water. It's time we took a stand for public water sources. Tell Nestle's that we have the right to water. Stop locking up our resources. At the World Water Forum in 2000, Nestle successfully lobbied to stop water from being declared a universal right, declaring open hunting season on our local water resources by the multinational corporations looking to control them. For Nestle, this means billions of dollars in profits. For us, it means up to 2,000 times more for drinking water because it comes from a plastic bottle. Now, in countries around the world, Nestle is promoting bottled water as a status symbol as it pumps out fresh water at high 
volume, water tables lower and local wells become degraded. Safe water becomes a privilege, only affordable for the wealthy. In our story, clean water is a resource that should be available to all. Here, here. It should be something we look after for the public good to keep safe for generations, not something we pump out by billions of gallons to fuel short-term private profits. Nestle thinks our opinion is extreme, but we have to make a stand for public resources. Please join us today in telling Nestle that it is not extreme to treat water like a public right. It is a public right. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah, it is a public. It doesn't right. belong to them. Oh. They think it does. Uh-huh. In 1980, uh-huh. CEOs made 42 times as much as workers. In 1990, they made 85 times. In 2000, they made 531 times as much as workers. Yeah. That's scary. Capitalism is broken beyond repair or reform by Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, you're right. Oh, 37 million bees found dead in Ontario, Canada, after planting large GMO cornfields. Oh. Isn't that sick? Oh, I can't even look at it. That's mm-hmm. sick. 37 million bees. Good God. Millions of bees dropped dead. Well, they were poisoned. Yeah. After GMO corn was planted a few weeks ago in Ontario, Canada, the local beekeeper, Dave Schultz, who, Dave Sh- who produces honey, now we lost about 37 million bees, which are about 600 hives. Once the corn started to get planted, our bees died by the millions, Schultz said. While many beekeepers blame neo, uh, neonicotoids or neonics for a colony collapse of bees, and many countries in the EU have banned nicotoid class of pesticides, the EU's Department of Agriculture fails to ban insecticides known as neonicotoids um, manufactured by Bayer Crop Science, Inc., Two of Bear's best-selling pesticides, Emma Colfrid and Clothinidine, Clothinidine, Clothinidine. Yeah, whatever, are known to get into pollen and nectar and can damage beneficial insects such as bees. The marketing of these drugs also coincides with the occurrence of large-scale bee deaths in many oh. European countries and the United States. Nathan Carey, Another local farmer says that this spring he noticed that there were not enough bees on his farm, and he believes that there is a strong correlation between the disappearance of bees and insecticide use. In the past, many scientists have struggled to find the exact cause of massive die-offs, a phenomenon they refer to as colony collapse disorder. In the United States, for several consecutive years, honeybees are in terminal decline. U.S. scientists have found 121 different pesticides in samples of bees, wax, pollen, uh, lending credence to the notion that pesticides are a key problem. We believe that some subtle interactions between nutrition, pesticide exposure, and other stressors are converging to kill colonies. Um, And uh, the bee laboratory said, the the collapse in the global honeybee population is a major threat to crops. It is estimated that a third of everything we eat depends on honeybee population, which means that bees contribute over $30 billion to the global economy. Um, true study uh, pub- 
insectoids, pesticides kill honeybees by damaging their immune systems and making them unable to fight disease and bacteria. And after reporting large losses of bees after exposure to uh, imoclopride, banned it for use on corn and sunflowers despite protests by bear. Another smart move, France also um, rejected bear's application for clothianidine, and other countries, such as Italy, have banned certain neonicotoids as well. And after recording record-breaking honeybee deaths in the UK, the European Union has banned multiple pesticides, uh, including neonicotoid pesticides. You have our permission to reprint this article, kind of common cause, and so forth. Okay, and we're so, right to the end of our show. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's pretty sad. Boy, well, that's kind of sad ending. I'm yeah, sorry to leave you with that thought. Bees, but, you know, you be careful. Try to avoid pesticides in your own yard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really. This is just bad. Huh. All right? So, anyway, have a pleasant evening, guys. And uh, Good hope night, you're enjoying folks. the nice weather if you're having some in your yeah. area. We're having a nice weather. In spring. the Northeast, we are. So we're, we had a couple of nice days in a row. Yeah. So, so we want to thank everybody who joined us. And uh, we so will you be on tomorrow? I maybe. I can't okay. promise, but I maybe. Take a look uh, on Facebook, and then you'll find yeah, out whether you know, Leo is going to be on. Or just check out uh, this uh, network here. And, yep, Blog Talk Radio. But I, I believe I will. Okay. So anyway, have a good evening, everybody, and. Uh, Good night, folks. Talk to you soon.